You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just to What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Just want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, or FGR. They were birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle and who feel called to devote their lives to Christ and his church. Uh, Translation, in my opinion, putting your money where your mouth is and actually rolling up your sleeves and helping people get their life on track. So I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. <clears throat> I want to mention also that we are uh, doing a autographed jersey giveaway for a Quay Walker um, away jersey Beckett style. Like I said, autograph that has the uh, the uh, certificate of authenticity, all those things along with it actually came um, from uh, pristineauction.com. All you got to do to enter yourself into that contest is go to my Twitter page, you will see a tweet that's uh, pinned to the top of the page. Just retweet that tweet. Make sure you're following the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time to uh, to win in a drawing to get that Quay Walker autographed jersey. And if you would like to enter yourself into the contest uh, multiple times and and in the same uh, at the same time uh, donating to a good cause, you can actually donate to FGR. If you'll go to that same pinned tweet, you will see a tweet attached to it. That actually has a link to that for every $5 you donate. You'll be entered into the contest one additional time, and we're really, really excited about partnering with them and helping uh, move the ball down the field there. So <clears throat> with that being said, let's get into the show. We're going to do a Chalk Talk segment tonight. I want to thank everybody that's tuning in on Twitter and YouTube. Appreciate you guys coming and hanging out with us. Um, you're, if you're hearing this on the podcast, obviously it's going to drop around noon on Thursday afternoon, and I uh, appreciate you guys uh, you know, making us a part of your day as well. So Let's don't waste any time, man. Let's get right into it. I, I'm excited about covering this because there's been a whole lot of talk this week, gang, about Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> most of the talk has died down. I kind of talked about it on the podcast yesterday. There were several people immediately following the game, uh, you know, just like with the Giants game. You know, we should have never re-signed Aaron Rodgers. We should have let him go. We need to let Jordan Love start. Uh, we need to trade Aaron Rodgers, which is silly because we know how the contract is and all that. Um, you know, everybody's got their opinions and, and they're always respected on, on this show. Um, but I will say this early in that game, my notes were suggesting that Aaron Rodgers uh, was very inaccurate. And in the first half, I feel like he was. But man, there were some throws too that he made that I don't remember, um, you know, making a big deal out of in real time. But when I went back and watched the tape, this guy still got it. He still got his fastball. He's still as, as accurate as he's ever been. Um, again, he's playing with a bum thumb, right? Um, I don't mean to rhyme, but I do it all the time. <laughs> you know, the fact that he's out there with an injured thumb and making some of these throws is remarkable. So today's chalk talk is basically going to be geared around some of those throws that he made. All right. So let's just kind of get into it. We're going to outline one play in depth. And if you guys are looking at the screen, you can see it's called 11 gun tray, strong left, Y off, halfback strong, sell chip, X dig, halfback delay stab. 
Now, as always, you know, the terminology kind of varies. If we were going archaic, uh, old East Coast style, we would throw a number system into there. The Packers, you know, they might call this play, uh, you know, I don't know, bull in the churchyard or something like that. You know, they may have one or two words that that labels this play and everybody knows what their assignment is. Um, the reason I like to do the long old school West Coast play call out is so we can all understand exactly what each position, each number, each word means. And in every word, every letter, uh, it represents something as far as lining up this offense and running the specific play. Okay, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and share the screen. And uh, like I said, the name of this, uh, the, the play call here uh, is 11 gun tray, strong left, Y off, halfback strong, sell chip, X dig, halfback delay stab. It's important to, to insert the delay in the breakdown of that play. And I don't always do that great, um, but I'm going to try to slow down here and make sure that we do it as we go. But this came in the first quarter, uh, minute 40 left. I believe the score, if I remember correctly, was actually tied, yeah, at zero. Um, so this is early in the game, and it was a third and seven, a crucial third and seven. So let's talk about what 11-gun tray means, okay? 11, obviously, is the personnel. That's one running back, one tied in, which means it's a three-wide receiver set. If you look on the screen here where I'm sharing the screen, let me make sure I am sharing it, okay? Um, if you look on the screen, and for those of you on the podcast, we're basically in a trips left look or a tray um, you know, some people call it call it a tray when there's a tight end involved. Some people call it trips when it's just all all receivers on that side. Everybody's a little bit different. We're going to go with 11-gun tray, okay? The 11, like I said, one running back, one tight end. The running back is A.J. Dillon. Um, he's over here in the sidecar to the left. We're going from left to right on the screen. But if you were behind the offense, basically what you've got is uh, Aaron Rodgers in the shotgun formation. You've got A.J. Dillon. Uh, in the sidecar to the left. Okay. Now, obviously, 11 gun tray, that means one running back, one tight end. You've got a tight end um, on the left side of the formation, which makes it a strong left. So you've got 11 gun tray, strong left. That's what that means. The tight end is on the left side of the field. That makes it the strong side of the formation. Why off? Well, the tight end is the wide receiver. What that's saying is he is going to be off the line of scrimmage. He's not one of the two players that it's required to have on the line of scrimmage. In this case, that's actually the slot and the X receiver. So the reason it's Y off is because the tight end being the wide receiver uh, is off the line of scrimmage about a yard, yard and a half. Okay, Halfback strong. That's simply saying that the halfback is lined up on the same side of the field as the tight end. Okay, So they're both on the left side of the formation. Um, sell chip. Now we're going to get into the play design, but let me do this. As we, as we finalize the 11 gun tray, strong left, Y off. I just want to mention who's in on this play at the top of the screen. Like I said, we're going from left to right. Okay. So at the very top of the screen in what we would call the Z spot, uh, Z receiver is Alan Lazard. Okay. Right next to him in the slot is Randall Cobb. Um, you know, now you come uh, attached to the offensive line, but like I said, one, one and a half yards off the line of scrimmage is your wide receiver. That is Tunyon. Okay. And then the opposite side of them on the uh, opposite side of the center, the opposite side of the field is your X receiver. That's Romeo Dobbs. Okay. And then again, halfback strong simply says that the running back is on the strong side of the field, which is the tight end side. Now let's get into the play design. <clears throat> right here is the all 22 sideline cam. Okay. And what I'm going to do for those of you listening on the pod, we're going to kind of roll it forward and explain what cell chip means. Okay. Cell is a passing concept. Okay. It's a route combination, if you will. Um, so basically what the cell chip is going to do is in a cell, um, in a cell, uh, attack, I guess you could say, or play call. The goal is to attack half of the field at three levels, okay? And this is a real good cover three beater because you're forcing the uh, the guys on, on one side of the field to either play the short route or play the intermediate route while stretching the field vertically down the sideline, okay? So with the sale, what you essentially have is Alan Lazard is going to run a nine fade. If you watch him at the top of the screen and those of you listen on the pod, he's simply going to get outside leverage and take off upfield and run a uh, a nine fade, which is essentially a streak. It's a go route, however you want to however you want to word it. Okay, so that's one aspect of the cell combo, the cell concept, I should say. Now the other aspect, um, it, which is kind of unique, you'll watch Cobb in the slot. He's going to kind of bend. He's going to run as if he's running a skinny post, or maybe even setting up a crossing pattern. But then, so he's going to take the slot corner 
in towards the hashes, and then he's going to try to cut sharply out. Now, in a cell concept, it could be a, a number of different things. I've seen some cell concepts where it's kind of a hitch, almost like a comeback towards the sideline. I've seen some that they break off sharp, like it's an out route, and then others where they run kind of a corner route. And in my opinion, just judging by the way that Cobb reacts on this play, he's probably got a combination route, meaning he can make a choice here. He's got a choice route is what I should say. So he can do whatever he wants. He really struggles to get inside leverage. He wants he wants that corner to commit inside so he can sharply cut outside and give Aaron Rodgers another, another uh, target on his play. Now, the third aspect of attacking at three levels is you've got the, uh, the chip aspect of this cell. And basically, you've got Tunyon in a chip flat. So what Tunyon's going to do is he's going to chip on the defensive end, and then he's going to go out in a delay leak flat. Okay, so there is your underneath level. So you've got the flat underneath by Tunyon. You've got the corner slash out route aspect of the cell and Randall Cobb breaking to the outside of the sideline, to the to the outer, to the outside of the hash towards the sideline. And then of course you've got um, the most important aspect of this play is Alan Lazard stretching the field vertically. So you're trying to divide and conquer here is essentially what you're trying to do. Now, halfback delay, or let's go to the X dig. The X dig is the X receiver on the bottom of the screen, which is Romeo Dobbs. He's going to run a 10-yard dig route, okay? Now, I want to show something here in a minute if I can remember. I noticed that Rodgers gave him a sign, which kind of made me think, I wonder if he had a go route. And then when Aaron came out and seen a too high look, he may have signaled to Dobbs, hey, give me a dig right here. Okay, but essentially the play ended up being X dig. And you got halfback delay stab, which is basically AJ Dillon is going to chip block inside and then he's going to run a stab route underneath, just basically almost almost as if it was a screen pass without the lead blockers, essentially. So he's going to give Aaron a safety valve underneath, along with Tunyon, while they both try to aid in blocking for Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so that's kind of how that sets up. Again, 11-gun tray, strong left, Y-off, halfback strong, sell chip, X-dig, halfback delay stab. Now, a couple things I want to point out here. First of all, let's go to this copy from behind the line of scrimmage. And those of you listening on the podcast, we're now right behind Aaron Rodgers with the camera. You can see right here they're in a two-high look. So they're showing cover two-man is what they're showing. Now, they're also showing a blitzer in the B-gap on the left side. He's, he's really kind of lined up in a three technique, okay? Now, you'll find out here in a minute that he's actually in man coverage on the running back, okay? So they're showing, they're sugaring right here. They're showing a two-high look with a five-man pressure, and they're going to run what we call a 7-0 slant or a 7-0 stunt, I should say. I'm going to go to another copy here and show you what I mean by that 7-0 stunt. So with the 7-0 stunt, essentially what you've got is in a zero technique, you have the defender playing the nose. He's right up over the center. Okay, Out here in this, what we would call, I would call a 7 technique. Some people would call it a wide 9. Some people might even call it a 5-0. There's a lot of different terminology that's used. Uh, and essentially what I mean by these, these numbers, this number system, if you're over top of the center, that's a zero technique. If you're in the gap between the center and the guard, that's a one technique. If you're right over top of the guard, that's a two. If you're in the uh, the B gap in between the guard and the tackle, that's a three. If you're right up over the tackle, that's a four. If you're on the outside shoulder of the tackle, that's a five. He is pretty far out here. I would consider this a seven technique, meaning if there was a tight end in line, if he was attached to the offensive line, which Tunyon is kind of flexed out. And that's something else that, that some offensive coordinators may refer to this play as a Y-off flex, right? But uh, it, or they may just say Y flex, and and everybody knows, you know, from from the from the jump, who's the X, who's the Z, if the slots on the line of scrimmage, so on and so forth. But um, the reason I mention that is because with the number system, you've got the zero technique right over the center, and you've got this seven technique or this wide nine that's way outside here. Okay, what they're going to run is a seven zero stunt. On a stunt, what's designed to happen is. One player is going to cross the face of his offensive lineman that's supposed to be blocking him, and he's going to try to occupy two offensive linemen while another player bounces completely outside, okay? It's, it's a way to scheme up pressure. Now, if you're running the ball, it makes you very, very vulnerable to a stunt. The only team that I've seen that was successful in stopping the run while running stunts, in my opinion, were the Carolina Panthers in the first half of the, of the season last year. They were really good at it. Teams caught on. They started to gash the Panthers in the running game, but – uh, that's a 
that's a topic for another show. But again, let's watch it right here. And, and for those of you listening on the pod, the zero technique, which is the nose, is actually going to not even hardly engage with the center. He's going to kind of jab and then bam, he's going outside. And that seven technique is running the stunt. He's coming inside. He's taking the tackle and the guard with him. What's awesome is as the zero tries to clear the edge, Bakhtiari does a great job staying at home. This is the stuff you want to see Royce Newman doing. I know it's unfair to say that David Bakhtiari, multi-all-pro left tackle, arguably the best left tackle in the game, especially at pass blocking when he is healthy. He picks this up beautifully and shows how you stay at home while still helping with that stunt. He's there to pick up the zero that's fanning around the outside, okay? So that's what I mean by the uh, 7-0 stunt, okay? So to recap, the defense sugars a two-high look. Let's go back to the behind the uh, formation copy. Two-high look, right? They're sugaring, and they've got a five, they're showing a five-man pressure. But, again, if you watch the play develop, that guy that's showing that fifth pressure, he's actually man coverage on the running back, and he thought, what the heck? If I man up on the running back, why not at least try to throw off the mock ID of the quarterback, and maybe he'll identify me as the mock, and if I'm in coverage, it could mess up their whole pass protection. That's not the case here, but we'll talk about why here in just a second. So what it actually is, even though they're showing that two-high look and they're sugaring, it's actually a cover one robber with a four-man pressure, and like I said, a 7-0 stunt. So what do I mean by cover one robber? When the ball is snapped, you'll notice the strong safety immediately runs to the middle of the field. He's in a middle zone. When a safety drops from deep inside, when he drops, you know, when he actually comes closer to the line of scrimmage and covers the middle zone, that's what you call a robber, whether it's a free safety robber or a strong safety robber. If it was a linebacker dropping into that that area while they were trying to disguise, that would be called a drop. Okay, that'd be like a cover one drop as opposed to a cover one robber. So the reason it's a robber is because you've got a safety playing that middle short zone. I, I should say mid zone. Um, middle mid zone, I guess is the right way of saying it. And now you have the safety playing single high look. So at this point right here, as soon as the ball is snapped, Aaron notices that B gap follows AJ Dillon. He doesn't have anything to worry about there. As soon as he sees that strong safety dip into that robber role, he knows I don't have anything across the middle. He, he automatically says, okay, I, there's no way I'm going to Dobbs on that dig because that robber has taken that away. All right, so it's important to point that out. Now, why do I mention all that? Because, guys, this is one of those plays that the defense called the very best play call they possibly could against this cell combo, in my opinion, in this cell concept. And the reason being, we're going to go to a zoomed out look here of the defense again, back to the all 22. If you watch how they play right here, it's actually a cover one robber with four-man pressure, 7-0 stunt. We covered that perfect defensive call. The outside corners are playing straight-up man. You can see they're lined up directly across the X and the Z receiver. They're playing just straight man coverage, no leverage whatsoever. Okay, But if you look here in the slot, you'll notice this corner is playing with outside leverage. Why is he playing with outside leverage? As we roll the tape forward, you'll notice he knows he's got robber help in the middle. And it's important to understand we're going we're gonna to talk about another play here in a second. And on that play, they're actually playing zone defense. So they did a great job mixing and matching zone with man all day long, okay? And if you guys are in the chat, comment, and I apologize. I can't see the chat right now. I'll try to clean those up when we get through with this Chalk Talk segment. But so he knows, the slot corner knows that he's got Robert help in the middle. So he's going to play outside leverage. So his goal now – and this is a this is a route combination. This is a, a passing concept that the Packers have ran multiple times, both last year and this year already. Okay, so they've probably seen this on film. If they run a cell combo, if they run a cell concept, what we're going to do, um, especially on a cover one robber, that slot corner, you let him take the inside, and you just make darn sure he doesn't get outside. Now, if they were to run a crossing route here. If Aaron's if Aaron you know changes the play or whatever or Cobb sees it and runs a crosser, they probably got a big play here. But that wasn't the play design, and Cobb knows he's got to protect that underneath safety valve. If he runs a crosser, that might cause uh, you know a zone defender if someone is in zone or maybe a little mini spy, they'll be able to attack that safety valve. And now Aaron's a sitting duck, right? So I mention all that because because of the play call, 
You've got the straight up man on the outside. You've got the outside leverage in the slot. This is the perfect play call. Middle robber, cover one, single high look. And, and they are literally, I mean, they are playing perfect man coverage. All right. So with the perfect defensive play call, otherwise this should have been a throwaway, guys. I'm going to go behind the line of scrimmage here. I want you to look at how quick Aaron makes this decision. As soon as he finishes his drop, it's one hitch and go. And he's throwing that ball. Now, why do I mention that? With a perfect defensive play call, Aaron's got to thread the freaking needle to complete this pass. And I want you to watch this throw. And for you listening on the podcast, he literally drops back one hitch, bang, the ball comes out, and he knows that this is a safe throw. He's he's throwing it to a point where if his receiver can't make this catch, the momentum of the safety is going to take the ball out of out of bounds. Okay. Very, very, very unlikely this ball gets picked off. And that's just a perfect example of Aaron Rodgers knowing exactly where everybody is on the field. And one thing that we talked about, and you guys heard me talk about it, I felt like he was a little inaccurate with the thumb and and was just off in this game. Really pay attention to this throw. One hitch, ball comes out. Guys, you cannot place that pass any better. Like that throw is absolutely perfect. When when Lazard makes the catch, there is a defender on his back, and there's a safety a half a yard away from the ball. And somehow or another, Rodgers puts it in the perfect spot. Let's go to this camera view so you can kind of see it. And right here's the signal I wanted to mention. First of all, now we're behind the defense. We're in the uh, the box view behind the defense. Watch Rodgers go to his chest right here. He gives a little signal. He looks over at Dobbs, rubs his chest, and I think what it was, in my opinion, I think they had a go route on Dobbs' side, and as soon as Aaron came to the line and he seen two-man on the shelf, he immediately told Dobbs, give me a dig. Give me a dig. I think that's what he said right there. The ball is snapped. Bam, they they drift down. Now they're in a cover one robber. You can see Rodgers as he's taking the snap. He looks at the robber, notices it, immediately looks left, wastes no time. Bakhtiari picks up that stunt, and the ball is out. And, again, look at the placement on this pass. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Here's a better view right here. This is showing Lazard just beating his guy outside leverage. What's crazy is the corner was with him stride for stride, a little hand fighting, but Rodgers puts this ball right on the money. Anyone who says that Aaron Rodgers is washed, anyone who says that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the accuracy he, he once had, anyone who says Aaron Rodgers can't throw the deep ball, show him this clip. It doesn't get any better than that. An absolutely perfect throw, and kudos to Alan Lazard. I mean, this catch is phenomenal. Huge play right there. Huge play. And uh, again, man, this <laughs> how lucky are we to have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers? This is what you pay him the big bucks for right here. Now, it sucks he was running for his life all game long, right? And that's kind of part of it. You know, when you got a bad offensive line, and our offensive line right now is bad. I hope they get it together. Bakhtiari playing well really gave me a lot of hope. I hated I hated seeing Elton Jenkins take a step back because if he had taken a step forward, then um, man, this this would have been a whole different uh, whole different ball game. I really believe that. I, I don't think Royce Newman's sins would have been as noticeable if uh, Elton Jenkins had played a little bit better. That's not to let Royce off the hook. Royce played like hot garbage. We'll talk about that here in a second. But again. Aaron Rodgers to Alan Lazard, showing that that's his most reliable target, especially with Sammy Watkins uh, being hurt for the time being. I thought it would be cool to break down that play because I wanted to point out, this is what it was like all game long, guys. The Jets really, really, really gave Aaron Rodgers in this offense a hard time. You can see there, there is nobody open on this play. I'm telling you right now, if you're listening on the pod, the underneath is covered. The out-slash-corner aspect is completely covered with that outside leverage. The dig across the middle is taken completely away with the robber. And Alan Lazard is covered. This is just 12 being 12. This is 12 throwing a dot. I mean an absolute dime right on the money. It doesn't get any better than that. So, again, that play call. Came in the first quarter, one, one minute and 40 seconds left, third and seven. It was 11-gun tray, strong left, Y off, halfback strong, sell chip, X dig, halfback delay stab, 35-yard completion to Alan Lazard. Let's move on to the other clip. <clears throat> I don't have the play call for this. I didn't want to waste that much time. What I wanted to do, guys, 
is just kind of explain another scenario where as, as bad as Aaron Rodgers appeared to have played on Sunday, there is no other quarterback in the league aside from Patrick Mahomes that makes these plays. I don't see that kind of accuracy from Josh Allen on the play I just showed you. Okay, he may be able to make this play happen here that I'm about to show you and about to explain to you, but there's absolutely no way he makes that throw, uh, you know, with that kind of pinpoint accuracy. His accuracy isn't there yet. And Josh Allen is a beast. He's a monster. He's a freak. Right. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's the quarterback that can make that play. Tom Brady might be able to make that throw I just showed you. But I'm promising you, he ain't going to be able to do what I'm about to show you right here. Okay. Again, this is in a gun set. They do a little pre-snap motion. They went from a it's got it's kind of a spread look. They got a stack on the bottom of the screen, so it's a uh, a weak side stack with the wide receivers. The running back pre-snap motions over. He goes out in the flat. Aaron drops back to pass, and I really want you guys to key in on Royce Newman at right guard. Watch Royce Newman at right guard. He gets obliterated. Like I don't know what he was thinking here. He's literally on his heels. He does a little, like almost like a, a little jump sit and he's just on his butt. So now Aaron, here's Aaron Rodgers with a free runner at him, right? I mean, and it's a big old boy too. He's about to get clobbered. Watch Aaron on this play. Absorbs the hit, shrugs him off with a little baby stiff arm as Marshawn Lynch would say. <laughs> and look at him get outside. Look, look at his body position when he lets this ball go. He throws it from the 20 gets annihilated on the thigh pad, completely, I mean, just completely upended. And look at the ball where it ends up. You're talking about from the 20, 30, 40, almost to the 50. You're talking about a 28-yard pass, right at a 30-yard pass, right at 30 yards while he's running to his right, throws across his body and taking a huge hit. And watch where this pass ends up. I mean, it that deadly accurate. You can't throw a ball more perfect than that. Look, look at. I mean, there's four defenders there, and Rodgers fits it in that window. But yeah, there's people on Twitter saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have his fastball anymore. There's people on Twitter that's saying Aaron Rodgers can't throw the deep ball anymore. Look at his placement again. Perfect deep ball. There's some people. You know, I was saying last week. Hey, you know, he he doesn't have the legs he he once has, and I think that's true. But he shows right here he can still make some magic. Like, that is that is remarkable. Now, I want to show you the hit. This is what bothers me because there's people that are that are out there. They're showing clips. I've seen one uh, as I'm recording this. I watched it just a few minutes ago. They're showing a clip of where Rodgers was talking about guys need to be more committed. This was like three or four years ago, and now it's, I wish he was committed. Yeah, I wish he was committed. Okay, you just seen the play he made. Now, watch this hit he takes. completely creamed. This angle right here really shows it. I mean, he. for those of you on the pod, the defender makes a diving hit, hits him right in the thigh. As Rodgers lets the ball go, he's completely like throwing across his body, made himself completely vulnerable. It's been real easy to just throw that ball away. But here's QB1 putting his freaking neck on the line. Hits the ground. On the McAfee show, he said... He was wondering how he got so bruised up. He had a bruise on his thigh slash quad. That's from the, the defender's helmet. And he said, and then I, my tailbone was bruised too. Because he was talking about trying to squat the next day and, and couldn't, couldn't squat left hardly. Look at this. Look at this hit. But, yeah, this guy doesn't care about football. This guy doesn't want it. This guy's more worried about podcasts. He don't, he don't, it drives me insane. Look at this. Dude putting his neck completely on the line. And look at the placement of this pass on the run. Absolutely perfect. And kudos to Tunyon for breaking that route off. He was he was supposed to run kind of a hitch, and he just he, he comes back to Rodgers a little bit more and kind of becomes that safety valve. Tunyon's slowly putting together a pretty good year. He's looking more and more healthy every week. But, uh, again, right here is what I wanted to highlight, Aaron Rodgers taking that hit. So I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't mean to be a jerk, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Aaron Rodgers isn't doing everything he can for this team. I mean, the dude, I don't know what else you want. He took a, a cover one man play that was disguised as a two high look 
every single option was taken off the table, and somehow he converts a pass for 35 yards on a third down. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is just playing behind a bum offensive line right now, a banged-up offensive line right now, I should say. Um, Also, you had the RPO debacle there in London. That was on Aaron Rodgers. There's no denying it. But to pretend like he is not as accurate as he once was, to pretend like he doesn't care about the game, I'm sorry, man. I'm not not subscribing to it. So uh, we're going to go ahead and turn the camera off there. And let's get into the rest of the show. If you guys just tuned in for Chalk Talk, you can go ahead and bounce on out of here. We're done with that. I'm going to finish up the pod here, and we're going to talk about a few more things. If you want to hang out, feel free to hang out, and I'll keep my eye on the chat here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As well. So let's move along. Um, I wanted to point out the injury report. Let's go over the injury report real quick. Um, So when it comes to the injury list, uh, things are looking a little bit better. You know, it sounds like Aaron's uh, Aaron's thumb is getting more and more healthy by the day. I believe they said he's going to practice to uh, tomorrow, which you guys will be hearing this pod on Thursday. He should be practicing today and he should be full go. He said by Sunday, everything should be good to go. So I think we're going to see his accuracy improve even more. But uh, again, I I don't know how you have a a bad thumb and and make the throw we just outlined. But let's go to to the uh, injury report here. David Bakhtiari was limited participation, nothing new there. Randall Cobb did not participate. We know he's going to be out for a few weeks. I think the latest I heard on Cobb was he's going to be out two to four weeks, which in my opinion is great news. I was kind of expecting somewhere around six weeks at best, and it sounds like it's just going to be two to four um, Rashawn Gary, obviously he was on the injury, uh, the injury list all week last week, came out, played on Sunday, got another sack. PFF grade was low. You could tell he wasn't himself, but still managed to get a sack, which is pretty impressive. Uh, last I heard too, I think he is tied for the lead in sacks in the entire national football league, which is really, really awesome because we all know the pressures were there. The PFF grades were there. All the haters were saying, well, why doesn't he sack the quarterback? Now he's sacking the quarterback. So that's awesome. Jake Hansen. Bicep injury, did not participate. This answers a lot of questions for me because we've seen Royce Newman get pulled out of that game, right? They put Jake Hansen in. And then it was like a series or two later, what seemed like a series or two later, 
um, Royce Newman was back in and was like, what the crap are we doing? It's because Jake Hansen hurt his bicep. He did not participate. I'm not anticipating him being ready to go this week. I'm eager to see if any of the practice reports come out that there might be somebody else taking snaps at right guard. But as of right now, my guess is Royce Newman will play right guard. Elton Jenkins is on the uh, list limited with the knee injury, of course, that he's still rehabbing somewhat. Hopefully he's going to get a little bit better this week. Aaron Rodgers did not participate because of the right thumb. Again, this is on Wednesday afternoon's uh, practice participation. Um, so he's planning on going. By the time you hear my voice with this podcast, uh, unless you download it immediately, he may have already practiced or in the process of practice, and he should be good to go. Christian Watson did not participate, got a hamstring injury. Sounds like he's going to be out for a, a little bit of time. So you can plan on him not playing on Sunday. So just to kind of wrap that up, um, Randall Cobb will not be playing on Sunday, obviously. Uh, Jake Hansen probably won't be available is what it sounds like. And then um, Aaron Rodgers will be fine, but Christian Watson will not be available either. So um, worth mentioning there. Let's go on to the Washington Commanders injury list. Did not participate. John Bates tied in, hamstring injury. Uh, Diami, Diami uh, Brown, wide receiver, groin, uh, did not participate. And then you've got limited participation for several people. And here are the rest of the did not participate. It's William Jackson, a corner. Logan Thomas tied in. Carson Wentz. Uh, has a right finger injury. He did not participate. Jonathan Williams running back knee injury did not participate. Now I will say that Carson Wentz has already been ruled out for Sunday. So it will be Heineke who's going to get the start. You guys remember he played against the Packers, I believe a couple years ago in Lambeau, played really well, very, very scrappy. Um, he's he's one of those backup quarterbacks. that's kind of like Bailey Zappi in New England. He's, you know, he, he can come in and win you some ballgames. He can. He's not starting caliber, not going to pretend that he is. But he's one of those scrappy quarterbacks that can come in and win ball games, and it just seems like his teammates really, really, really rally around him whenever it's uh, whenever it's time to uh, to go. I don't know; they just seem to they seem to really like to uh, to play for him. Okay, so uh, we got Mr. Green in the chat said Cobby's one of the toughest dudes on the team, and uh, oh, he's coming back quick. I agree, man. Especially after his Instagram post, uh, Green, I, dude, that, that that fired me up to see that he was in good spirits with uh with all that so that's how the injury report sits now i want to move on to some other news here real quick ari mirov on twitter tweeted out this and this kind of got me excited the packers have designated wide receiver sammy watkins who you know obviously uh, been uh nursing that hamstring injury to return from ir per head coach matt lafleur he will practice today and the team will have 21 days to officially activate him so he has not been activated yet we've seen him pregame last Sunday running some routes, but he obviously he was inactive. Just getting out there and kind of seeing where the hammy is. It sounds like now he's returned to practice. He's going to return from IR, and they have 21 days to activate him, which I think that's exciting news. And, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, I had, uh, you know, very little hope for him to be a huge, uh, huge factor for the Packers this year. But he kind of surprised me, man. He came out in that Chicago game. He played well. Um, I believe it was the Chicago game that he had a good game. And, you know, I, I think that all everything that Rodgers said about training camp, if you guys remember, you know, Lazard uh, was kind of out during training camp. But the two people that he bragged on the most was Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. He said Cobb's having one of the best camps he's ever had. And he also said Sammy Watkins has really impressed him. Lo and behold, he comes out and immediately has an impact, right? So I think if we do get Sammy Watkins back this week, that could be a huge factor in this game. And, and why do I mention that? Because when you go to PFF, again, that came from Ari Mirov just saying that he's returning returning to practice, right? When you go to PFF grades, let's look at the wide receivers, okay? The wide receivers on PFF for the Packers. The highest graded wide receiver for the Packers was Randall Cobb at a 79.9. The second highest graded was Sammy Watkins at a 69.9. Then you had Alan Lazard at a 68.7, Romeo Dobbs at a 60.4. Then you've got Amari Rogers, 59.3, so on and so forth. So why do I mention that? Essentially, Sammy Watkins, according to PFF, has been our second best wide receiver this year, only behind Cobb. I think Alan Lazard has played pretty solid personally, right? Well, the fact that Sammy's grading out better than him, I think if Sammy does indeed play this Sunday, you know, this could turn everything around in the receiver room. Do I think he's going to be a legitimate number one receiver? No, I don't. But I think that it's going to be a big improvement over what we had. Essentially what you're going to have now is 
Watkins, Lazard, and Dobbs with Amari Rodgers being the slot. What I'm eager to see is can Dobbs or Watkins take on that slot role? I really don't think uh, Sammy Watkins will. If Sammy Watkins is healthy, I think he's going to be playing on the outside. And again, we're kind of stretching expecting him to play Sunday, right? Or, or you know, hoping he plays Sunday. I hope he does. But I still think that's somewhat of a stretch. But when he does come back, you're probably going to get Sammy and Alan Lazard on the outside. Does that mean that Dobbs slides into the slot? I don't know. Maybe that's too much for Dobbs. You keep Dobbs at either an X or a Z, and you move Lazard into the slot. Have kind of that, that, that slot bully that was so popular there five, six years ago. You know, it's kind of why they drafted um, Equinemius St. Brown. They wanted him to be that bully slot that he was at Notre Dame. Not not for his height and, and deep passes and all that stuff. He played really, really strong in the slot. Maybe that can be Lazard's row. I don't know. I know this. Amari Rodgers came in the other day, and I was impressed. I mean, he he didn't he didn't go crazy or anything, but when the ball when his number was called, when the ball was thrown his way, he made the catch. Right. So that's that's kind of good news in my opinion with Sammy Watkins. I'm excited to see how quick he can get back on the field. I'm excited to see uh, exactly what he can do, you know, as far as contributing and, um, and, and how that plays into the Packers, you know, moving forward. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's just one of those things that as the season moves along, you want to see guys settle into the role, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how, how much more time do you need, right? How much more time do you need to settle into that? So um, let's do this. Let's kind of take a look on PFF real quick. I wanted to kind of look around the league a little bit if I could, if I can get it to pull up here by position. I wanted to uh, kind of see who's leading in all categories, right? Like who are the top five quarterbacks in the league right now? And let's see how they fall into place here. Number one, you got Josh Allen at 90.8. Number two, you got Geno Smith at 86.7. These are offensive grades, okay? Number three, this is funny, Andy Dalton. (laughs) Andy Dalton. That is wild. I, I'm I'm looking at the numbers thinking this has got to be a typo, but no, Andy Dalton's right there. And it looks like dropbacks. He's got 89 dropbacks. I mean, it's not like a minute amount. But uh, Andy Dalton for New Orleans coming in at 82.3. Number four, Patrick Mahomes, 84.9. Number five, Jalen Hurts, 81.5. When you look at the teams that those quarterbacks play on, Josh Allen with the Bills, arguably the best team in the league. Geno Smith with the Seahawks, got a little ways to go. Andy Dalton with the Saints. Um, I don't even know what their record is, but you got Patrick Mahomes, first place there with the Chiefs, and then Jalen Hurts, best team in football, most likely, definitely in the NFC with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's how your top five quarterbacks across the league kind of grayed out. Um, let's do this now. Let's try to bounce back here and let's go to uh, receiving grades. Okay. When we look at receiving grades, and we're going to try to do a you know, try to skip over the guys that that have a minute amount of touches or targets, okay? Like you got, you know, Chenault Jr., he's number one in the 93.8, but only two targets. We're not going to count that. Tyreek Hill, 90.5 PFF grade. Stephon Diggs, uh, 90.3 there with Buffalo. Cooper Cup, 87.2. Drake London, 82.5. My goodness, Drake London is looking like that rookie receiver, right? Um, that looks like that's going to pay off for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Byron Pringle for the Bears, 80.3, but only only three targets. Can't really count it, right? Um, A.J. Brown, um, 49 targets, 84.4 for Philadelphia. So you're kind of seeing, you know, the biggest reason that the Philadelphia Eagles are having the success they're having. Uh, Jalen Hurts is having, uh, you know, a career year. I know he's young, albeit, but um, still having a great year. And then, of course, you've got A.J. Brown, they went out and traded for him in the offseason, acquired him from the Tennessee Titans, and it's really paying off 84.4. They seem to be gelling really well. But what's cool is Randall Cobb coming in at number 10, 79.9. Kind of bittersweet, right, the fact that he's injured now. But you can see it, man, week in and week out. Cobby was having a great year. He really was. Um, you hate to see him go down the way uh, the way he did, but, you know, that's football. Let's go on to tight ends. Let's look at tight ends real quick. Offensive grade. Um from an offensive standpoint, Travis Kelsey, no surprise there, 88.2. You got Pruitt. No, I can't count it. Minimal, minimal. Mark Andrews will come in second, in my opinion, with 57 targets. He had an 85.1 PFF grade. Um, let's see here. Up next will be David Njoku for Cleveland. He's really turning it on at 81.6. And as you slide down, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, 
Granted, there's only six targets for Josiah DeGuara, but grading out of 71.9, he's the 14th best tight end in the league as of right now. Mercedes Lewis, 21st at a 69.0. So just wanted to kind of hit on a few of these. I hadn't had a chance to do that on the pod and talk about which player positions is really uh, kind of showing up this year. Let's go to offensive linemen and see what we look like. Overall offensive grade for offensive linemen. Uh, let's see here. Trying to see where our top offensive linemen might come into play here. And you've got to go way down the list, man. That's just further confirmation that Green Bay's offensive line is struggling bad. Looks like the first one that comes into play here is Elton Jenkins, surprisingly, 71.7. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny everybody's talking about Elton Jenkins struggling? I mentioned it earlier on this pod that he had a bad game, right? Still grading out as the best offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers as of right now, according to this. David Bakhtiari coming in 50th with a 70.5. So the tackles are playing better than anybody on our offensive line. You got Yash Nijman coming in there too. Um, He's at a 70.6. I don't know, man. I'm I'm still not on board with Yash playing right tackle. I'm just not. I I don't know if I'll ever get there. And and maybe I'm wrong for that. But uh, it's just something. I don't know, man. I can't. Cannot bring myself to do it. I just can't. I don't think it's that interchangeable, and I think Elton Jenkins is a much better player. Um, Royce Newman seems to be, you know, the biggest weakness as it sits right now for sure. So let's go to defensive linemen. Let's see who stands out on defensive line, and we're going to get you guys out of here. Um, Chris Jones, number one at a 93.2. Aaron Donald at a 91.3. DJ Reader, 91.0. Dexter Lawrence, 90.3. Jeffrey Simmons, 90.0. My goodness, these grades, man. I'll say this. Uh, I know it was brought up on the McAfee show the other day that uh, I think according to, to Pat, what he said to Aaron, there's been 100 less points scored, 100 less touchdowns, or is it points? It might have been points. It was probably points, I'm sure. Whatever it was, there was 100 less this year at this point than there was last year. So offenses are definitely down. And you can see that with the quarterback position for sure. You can see that that there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are playing great football. I mean, I just named them off to you, and it really falls off the cliff from there. But the first Green Bay defensive lineman to hit the list is Kenny Clark at a 78.5. They've got him listed as the 15th best defensive lineman in the game now. So, Kenny, you know, he's not playing elite by no stretch of the imagination, but definitely one of the high points of our defense. Let's go to edge. Let's see who's leading in edge. Um, Let's see here. Like it just went a little bit. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Pass rushing. Productivity. Let's kind of see what we look like here. Of course, it's not showing the grades. I'm not sure why. So we'll move it move it right along. Let's go to linebacker. Let's see, slot. Run defense grades. Here we go. I'm sorry. All right. Edge defenders. Montez Sweat at number one with an 85.0. Let's jump down here and see where our first edge defender falls on the list. And it looks like it's going to be Rashawn Gary at a 69.3. He's grading out 44th best edge defender, right? Not going to get it done. Now, isn't that amazing that last year he had a great PFF grade but was low on sacks, right? And then, lo and behold, you uh, you look here this year and, um, <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's got more sacks but dropping in PFF grade. Pretty wild. So, again, I just wanted to kind of look at some of those uh, from the defensive standpoint and kind of give you guys an idea of who's playing well, who isn't. Like when you look at the linebackers, um, yeah, you remember last year Devondre Campbell finished second. He is nowhere in sight right now. I mean, he is – let's see here if we can scroll on down. Devondre Campbell is 43rd at 67.1. Obviously having an off year. I don't know what's happened to this defense, but last year, Rashawn Gary grading out well at the edge, Devontae Campbell grading out well at middle linebacker, and everybody seems to just kind of be dropping off. They really do. Um, and, and to me, that that doesn't have anything to do with coaching or scheme, in my opinion. Like it, it To me, it kind of further confirms what I was seeing on the pod the other day, that these players are just underperforming on defense. Like Sooner or later, you got to put it on, you got to put it on the player. To perform, right? I mean, when you look at the DBs, the corners more specifically, Jair Alexander is the first one on the list at 71.3. He's graded out as the 32nd best corner in the National Football League right now. When you look at these numbers and these PFF grades, you can see how this defense is struggling. 
right? Let's go to the safety position. Let's see where our first one comes in. Look who it is, Mr. Rudy Ford, 78.5, and had 49 total snaps. Gosh, y'all are going to get tired of hearing me say it. But, I, I, I mean, at this point, with how bad Savage is playing, I would love to see Rudy Ford jump into safety. Maybe, maybe he's not – you know, in the position to play free safety. I don't know. Maybe that would be more equipped for Adrian Amos role. I don't know, but I just know this, man. He, I mean, and that's not a small sample size. When you're talking about 49 snaps and he's grading at a 78.5, he's shown something. Um, it's just going to be so hard for me to get past Arnell Savage. It really is, man. Um, the guy is, is hurting our run defense tremendously. Um, like I was talking about on the pod, just him running around and, pointing a finger at other defenders. It's like, man, you can't you can't be that out of place that many times and it always be somebody else's fault. So um, again, didn't mean to end it on a on a on a you know a low note there, but I wanted to kind of outline some of the PFF grades. You know, we we talked about it on the last pod, you know, our, who are the top five performing the low, you know, the bottom five uh, players at, at both offense and defense and kind of what's what's the Packers doing in that regard. Um, I wanted to kind of see how they stacked up against the rest of the league, right? And that was the whole purpose of that. So um, hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on around the league. One thing I didn't do um, on a passing grade is I didn't – I don't remember touching on Aaron Rodgers. Let's see what his offensive grade is here. Offensively, where does Aaron Rodgers come in? He comes in 11th right now to 73.2. So he's slowly creeping back up the list. So Aaron, I think I think Aaron's going to put it together. I think we have a good bounce back week this week. Again, you can't overlook the Commanders. You can't. I don't care if it is Heineke starting. We seen what Heineke did last time he come up there and play Green Bay. This time, it's in Washington. I don't know if that's home field advantage for him or not. They say that place is a dump, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there on Sunday. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed the chalk talk segment tonight. I know I had a blast outlining that for you. Um, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. And uh, we'll be back on Saturday to do a little preview of the Commanders game, kind of give you an idea of what they do well, what they you know, what they don't do well, maybe a point of uh, emphasis of how the Packers can attack them. So, uh, yeah, just appreciate your time. And like I said, thanks to everyone. Uh, thanks to Mr. Green here in the chat. Uh, thanks for everybody dropping in on Twitter and YouTube, hanging out with us tonight, going over some chalk talk. And, again, that play call was 11-gun tray, strong left, Y off, halfback strong, sell chip. X-Dig, halfback, delay, stab. Um, Aaron Rodgers threading the needle against a cover one after a, uh, a two-high sugar look. It's just a, a phenomenal throw. So we will be back on Saturday. Hope you guys have an awesome, awesome Thursday afternoon for those of you listening to the pod right now. And uh, like I said, we'll be back Saturday to outline the game coming up against Washington. Um, need anything between now and then, shoot me an email at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Also, don't forget about our giveaway. Go to my Twitter page, get yourself entered. And if you're hearing my voice, you don't have Twitter, feel free to email me. We've already entered multiple people into that contest through email. Just email me and say, hey, man, I don't have Twitter. I'd love to be entered into the contest, get a chance to uh, win that Quay Walker autographed jersey. So appreciate you guys' time. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.